the frustrating and freeing part is, let me make that connection, is that you don't have to figure it out because there isn't a formula that you can. It is so subjective. Therefore, let it go and play the magic what if game. Like what if your worst story is actually your best? What if your best is your worst? This is You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Brenna Jennerette, kidlit author of The Law of Birthdays, illustrated by Maria Contra, coming May 1st from the Cardinal Rule Press. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Munkin, kidlit author, dad, and science communicator, and podcast wizard, John Seymour, author-illustrator of the newly released A Morning with Blueberry. That was our guest, Brian Gerline, author of The Book of Rules, hilariously illustrated by Tom Knight. We chat to Brian about 600 rejections and beyond how his background in theater prepared him for picture books, and maybe most importantly of all, that when you think about it, there really are no rules in publishing. So just go for it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Brian's verse, after a word from our sponsor, of course. Have a dead manuscript of your own? Need help revising that manuscript or maybe your query? Or maybe you just want help with comps, agent research, or your pitch could use some love? Check out Justin Cologne's new editorial services. He offers everything from full manuscript critiques with Zoom, comp assistance, and brainstorming sessions. And if you can't decide what package is right for you, no worries. All of Justin's services can be purchased a la carte style, so mix and match whatever works best for you. Sign up today at thekidlithive.com. So this is You May Contribute a Verse, and we have with us Brian Gerline. So welcome to the conversation. Thank after, you. So after te- technical difficulties, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We love the technical difficulty. Um, yeah. So you, Brian, I, you're in your classroom, is that right? Because I was wondering how you were able to do the show with us today. Because I was like, well, it's a Friday. I know he's a teacher. Like, I see your post. Yeah. I am in my classroom. There is nobody here but me because I'm in my plan block. Well, someone is here. <laughs> is it Dennis? He's reaching behind Always. him. Dennis is it. with him. Oh, there's that. I knew it. Had to do it. Please don't eat me, Dennis. I'm wearing purple. Does that count? Oh, good. Get a free pass. Yes. Whew. You like? <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're you're not our first teacher, and uh, so we might expect some principal sort of announcements. It's put it puts me in mind of Caitlin yeah. Sanchez's conversation with us, where you know, they were announcing lunch or something. Yeah, she's like, you can cut that out, right? And actually, speaking of, you guys were or are critique partners, is that right? Yeah, we were, and kind of, I would say, like, more than acquaintances. Like, we're we're friends. We're, we're author comrades, and we slip into each other's DMs every once in a while and say, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a, it's a castle there, which is great to have. Yeah, because... No yeah, right. Well, and because I, I bring it up because you have a lot of connections with several of the guests we've had on, including Jolene Gutierrez, because you guys all do the zombie week, right, for Kidlet? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. Yeah, me too. When Remind me again. When does that one happen? Is that the spring? It's the summer. Okay. I want to say it's the summer, maybe like middle summer to like early fall. But I, I feel like it's summer. It's hard to keep it all track. Everything like square. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Are you guys planning to do it again this year? Like, do you have dates or just 
yeah, just going to leave. Yeah, I'm like, I'm more like, uh, I was like a thought generator or like a pro generator. Like, it was inspired by me, but I'm kind of like along for the ride and I do. <laughs> They kind of do everything, so. Nice. Hey, you good to do this again? I'm like, yep. So, <laughs> the I'm glad you're doing it. Like, I'm happy that it's a thing. Yeah, right. The idea, man. Like, you just throw it out there and like watch it unfold. You're like, this is great, perfect. Yep, that's what I do every day. The idea on that salary, that big teacher salary. Right, right, right. That's right. <laughs> Who? Where'd you come from, Ryan? I know you're you're a Kansas City boy my mom. so you are yeah right yeah but we, you are maybe the second like second closest <laughs> proximity guest we've had on uh since i'm here in in st louis to oh, me anyway we had, uh, i'm in st louis brenna uh is up north in the in the wild north yeah <laughs> yeah um, i'm, I'm up but we're, in wisconsin <gasps> yeah, my sister I, lives in milwaukee oh really i spent a lot of time in milwaukee growing up my mom is one of 10 and her most of our siblings, I know, most of our siblings live down there, so we spent a fair bit of time down there. Love that climate, that northern climate. Um, so you're on the right side, Josh. I'm on the left side. Okay, see, so where'd I come from? Actually, that's an interesting question. So my dad, who doesn't have the receding hairline. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, Dad, listening to this. <laughs> um, you have great hair. He, uh, <laughs> he was in the United States Army for 20 years, and so I, we home was where the Army sent us. Mm. So I grew up on Army bases, one Air Force base, um, Germany, was born in Georgia, lived in Washington, Colorado, Texas, Missouri, um, kind of a little bit of everywhere. So I'm from everywhere, but my dad actually graduated high school from Park, Park Hill High School in Kansas City because um, his dad was uh, working for the airline TWA back when TWA was a thing. And... Uh, so I kind of made my way back to his semi roots um, by way of college here at William Jewell. Mm. That's how I ended up in Liberty. And I just saw this morning you were a theater major. Yes, I I was a theater education major. I was one of those guys in college that I changed my major like three or four times. Um, I like started as a radio, like a communications major with like an emphasis in radio. Then they scrapped that program, and I was like, well, okay, let's pivot. And I was like, maybe acting. Yeah, let's actually do professional theater. Um, And then I got into, I don't know how I got into education, probably just friends. My now wife, Catherine, uh, always wanted to be a theater teacher. And we met in college. And I was probably like, ooh, education, that could be interesting, like teaching. Okay, teaching theater, that that could be sweet. So I switched to theater ed. And then back to theater, and then back to theater ed, uh, which put me at like a late graduation. I had to go back a semester, uh, like an extra semester to do my student teaching. But yeah, like um, I was, I was very into theater. Um, taught it for four years at a at a high school here just down the road from Liberty um, Oak Park High School. And taught it for four years, and then I was like. Maybe not that. Maybe I want to be a librarian. <laughs> oh, yeah. I basically took like a sabbatical from teaching and I was like, I'm done with teaching forever. <laughs> nope. uh, that didn't last long. So like for two years, I was a librarian. And then I was like, I miss teaching. I miss being in the classroom with students. Like I really miss that energy and like rhythm and schedule of school. And so I was like, maybe English. 
that's theater-ish. Like, they teach plays, too. <laughs> that, so. And then... Started teaching English, uh, like, a really chill year. 2019. Oh, yeah, right. Of 20 to 2020, nothing happened, No, really. that's, like, um, easy. In comparison. <laughs> totally normal first year. So... <laughs> So, and I feel like, I feel like you've talked about this a bunch, but just for anyone who is listening who doesn't follow you, um, mm. how did you get into writing? And then, you know, from there, we could talk about the 600 rejections that you are famous <laughs> for, because I feel like everybody, I mean, anybody who writes in Kidlet resonates with that story. Cause you know, you're just like, oh my God, like he had 600, like I can keep going. Right. Like you're like this success story that people sort of can reference and be like, it's possible. Like, it's going to be okay. Like we can, we can do this, you know? And also I just want a horrible warning. Yeah. Right. A cautionary tale. But <laughs> I, I just want to call, like call attention to the fact that like, Everything that you've said thus far is pivot, pivot, pivot. But th that's been something that you've absolutely stuck to through through hundreds of uh, redirections, well, to use the Justin term. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some big common denominators in, like, my path. Um, and actually, one of the big reasons why I wanted to step away from, from teaching was, like, theater, teaching theater was so all-consuming as, like, a beast of a career. Mm. We didn't have kids at the time. Now we have two boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And uh, so everything's chill all the time at our house. <laughs> and I was like, I have a work-life balance. I live at this school. I am adjusting lights at 1 a.m. for this show. And I felt like my health was declining. I didn't have time to write. And I had this like dream of publishing that was birthed earlier. So let's tell that story now. So how I got into writing, um, I was just... I love the power of the written word over people. I was the class clown, and I learned very early on that when I said stuff, it affected people. It made them laugh, and there's immense power with that. And so I always tried to make my teachers laugh, and every writing assignment I got in school, I was like, oh my gosh, I really have to like do this you know, well. And when I was in high school, I was going after scholarships and writing and, and, and won a few of those, um, like lion, like the local Lions Club kind of thing. and. Um, writing was always something that came naturally to me. I remember this, I tell this story in my English classes about how I was being, I was bored in a high school, in a high school English class. And so I was off task and writing poetry about how I just wanted to be running because I was a runner and I ran cross country in uh, college and high school. And so like writing was always like an emotional escape and a way to process what was happening to me. And, um, it was very powerful. So in college, that shifted into like, I'm going to start a blog. I'm funny. I write silly things, and I'll invite my friends and family to this random literary blog called Death by Confetti. <laughs> there was like poetry and like, like, uh, kind of uh, creative nonfiction about like my thoughts on spirituality and like, um, just all kinds of different stuff. I was processing satirical ch children's literature um, that should never be published or mentioned. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, just like all kinds of stuff and it was like oh people like my blog they like what I'm writing eventually after college I was trying to get my first theater teacher job and I ended up teaching as a paraprofessional in an elementary school um, with special needs students and it's so, like every day we were reading picture books and I'm like you know I'm 22 years old and I'm like oh picture books yeah at some point that year 
I started telling myself a story. And the story was, I can do that too. I liked that this book was entertaining to the adults and the kids. Mm-hmm. Something that was read aloud and as a theater major, like there's an element of performance in that. There's like a little bit of theatricality with a picture book. Um, and uh, like Robert Munch was really big that year for me. I was like, oh, this guy's like so entertaining and I would love to write like this guy. And um, so I kind of like discovered picture books as a 22 year old. And then I was like, I love to write. So maybe I could do that. Well, then I actually got a theater teacher job that year. And then that dream kind of like got hit, mm-hmm. paused. And it was like an incubation period like, of just waiting and dreaming. And, and then like that year, my last year as a theater teacher, I sent my first query January, 2017. And I was like, let's go. It's time to be an author. Like it's time. That, I mean, that's awesome. And I love, so, okay. So when you sent your first query, were you, were you sort of like the rest of us? And we were like, like I sent my first query and I'm like, oh, this is totally just going to get picked up like immediately. Like, it, you know, like this is awesome. And of course it's rhyming. So like, they're going to love it. So it's going to be right. Like I'm just going to get picked up immediately. I'm going to be published by like, you know, the next year. Like it's going to be totally fine. I just decided to oh, be yeah, published, I'll be, so I will. I'll, I'll be at the Scholastic Book Fair before I know it. Yeah, right. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you have to have that, like, naive dreamer in you that, like, that's a lot of gasoline in your tank that to drive you. Like, if, I don't know, like, there's, I think there's something magical and special about that um, naivety. And I think it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Like, I was, I was super excited. Um, one thing I was, I was never afraid to do, and I think my time in the theater actually was instrumental for this so i wrote 10 minute plays and feature length plays one acts like all through college and sent them all over the country for 10 minute play festivals got a few produced um a few honorable mentions with play festivals around the country oh uh, so like having like having people respond to your work and sit in a the theater and no one knows you're the playwright because that's the best part about being an author is you walk in the grocery store no one knows you're the author like people actors don't have you know private lives but you can kind of go unnoticed, which is kind of nice. Um, and so I'm sitting in this dark theater and I'm hearing people laugh to my jokes. And it's the most like incredible feeling. And that like really spurred me on. Um, so back to querying, it was like, oh yeah, of course I can do this. So um, I didn't know what a picture book was. And maybe I still don't, maybe I'm still learning what it is really. Um, but I wasn't afraid to put myself out there and write a business letter and a, and a query and, and look for the, the things I was supposed to do and include. And, and it was like, send. Okay, let's wait. Let's go. Of course I'm going to hear back. And, oh, I didn't hear back. Oh, it's been eight weeks. I guess that means I'm rejected. Well, let's send some more. You know? Yeah. And those are, those are really stories like I've definitely given up on. Like, <laughs> well, they've given up on, but like, they, they had their time and yeah they served they served their purpose right i um i had a critique partner yesterday um angel tate she posted this video from the bookends um instagram and they were on there talking about like there's a um a saying that they like to use in their agency and it's called go for no so instead of going for the yes right go for the no like just like right like put yourself out there go for no like why not because 
it, it's the only way to progress. It's the only way to let your piece serve the purpose it's supposed to serve, right? It's one more step in front of the other. Like you're always supposed to get however many no's. Your yes is out there. You just, you have to keep like digging for it. Yeah. There's no failure. There's no learning. Like, and, and no also just means in this context, like not yet. Maybe, maybe not now. Yeah. But later. Or maybe later after you've put some more time to it. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. So how did you, so you kept track of your 600 rejections. I mean, you had to, because otherwise you wouldn't know. Or you don't, you didn't have to, but I'm just saying you have a number, so you did. <laughs> yeah, I would, I'm a, I'm a millennial, so I'm not like averse to technology, but I've, to my, to my shame, like I never used Query Manager uh, or Query Tracker. I, I had an Excel, I had an Excel doc. Nice. Old, uh, track, keeping track of who I sent it to, when, notes, links, um, manuscript date. Did I hear back? Was there, you know, feedback? You know, all that kind of stuff. Six hundred times for two years. Jessica Whipple, this- if you're listening, she's. I'm. I know you're impressed. <laughs> Equal, equally yeah. organized. Oh, people. Which I'm not even like. I don't know. I'm. I'm very right brained. I'm very like, very artsy. My wife will. 100% attest to this is the like, ordered, logical, way smarter than me. I per- so, like the fact that I even had a, an Excel file was detailed and you know ordered about it is it's a miracle. So. <laughs> really speaks to your your commitment. Was it always book of rules? Was it always like, was a- that the, was that the one that was going out? No, I never queried it at all. Never. So here's the. Here's the really freeing thing. If you are a new picture book author, this is both freeing and frustrating. So there, here's the secret. It's so subjective, you'll never figure it out. I don't know why the one story that I thought was my worst story that was literally in a folder marked no longer pursuing that had never been queried ended up with an at auction big five multi-house deal for a debut for a no-name like rando <laughs> guy and no i thought it was like nothing and i had all these other stories that for sure they're going to get picked up they got me my agent they're going out and they're you know it's just a matter of time before an editor says this is the one the the story i finally uh ended up getting my agent through that was my quote best one was no, it went nowhere. We we subbed for six months, which in the grand scheme of things is not like, I would say that's a short uh, period of submissions, but I was so new to it. I got gun shy after six months and we kept getting feedback and I was like, let's pull it. Mm. I just like, let's hit reset and figure out what we can go fishing with. I think maybe their feedback is valid. I need to like let this simmer and put it on the shelf for a little bit and let's let's go shopping with something else. And so it was a period of like, brainstorming like oh well there is this from two years ago there was this and then i i was like i wonder so i go into the folder marked no longer pursuing and i'm like these were just like fun stories i wrote almost as a joke you know not really taking it serious just playing and i was like huh i wonder if there's something here so i shared it with a critique group and they were like this is really great and i was like really that uh, okay so then there was this like uh scbwi missouri in-person critique group and I kind of revised a little bit and took it there. And they were like, this is so great. This is so awesome. You have to use this. And I was like, really? <laughs> that? This? Okay. So I said to my agent, she was like, oh my gosh, we're sending this now. It's so great. I go, 
really that okay and geez then, let me empty out that that do not pursue folder all of a sudden <laughs> yeah a lot of and it was like what's happening so the frustrating and freeing part is let me make that connection is that you don't have to figure it out because there isn't a formula that you can it is so subjective therefore let it go and play the magic what if game like what if your worst story is actually your best what if your best is your worst um because everybody kind of lands differently on that and just give everything a shot you never know what's going to happen you can't figure it out and you shouldn't try um i love that piece of advice just sorry just piggybacking on our recent episode that was aired with amy dykeman her i don't i don't know if you listened to that one but she says that her best-selling her new york times best-selling book uh you don't want a unicorn was an april fool's joke on her agent because her agent was like i don't want another unicorn book like that you know they had this whole whole conversation about how he's not gonna wrap a unicorn book he doesn't want to see him he's sick of him and it's like she just like went with it and she's she wrote it as you know a joke and then was like um actually i think i might want to sub this (laughs) so like yeah like to your point like play with it like do what's fun like you never know and you April Fools, you you just made me a bunch of money too. Right. <laughs> hey, Bri- love that. Brian, real real quick, um, shout out your agent for the recording. Yes. Yeah, so my I'm on my second agent now. Um, I love where I'm at. I'm with Andrea Brown. Love Andrea Brown. They're so amazing and so like I feel super blessed and and lucky to be part of their organization. And my awesome awesome person is Jennifer Matson. Oh, nice. I was going to say, are you with Andrea Brown at Andrea Brown? <laughs> or, okay, got it, got it. So wait a minute. So wait a minute. This is your second agent. So can yeah. you tell that story about your first agent or oh. like what happened or yeah. how you parted ways? Because I know people have a lot of questions about that too. Like what happens when you part with an agent? How do you do that? What are the like? Yeah, and I feel like that's that's an unspoken thing that's not like talked about a ton because totally. you know, it's, sometimes it can get contentious and people don't like to air out their dirty laundry, but this is not dirty laundry at all so i was melissa richardson's uh very first client oh she's gotten the green light to start building her list and i was like i'm gonna take a risk here like i like why not like let's go for mm-hmm. it she made a sale i was her very first client so we were building the airplane in the sky together and the benefit from having like uh, newer agents is they have something to prove like they're hungry they want that first sale they want to learn and, they, and they're going to devote that time and attention to you that maybe you wouldn't get with uh, an agent that has a fuller list of clients. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, so anyways, I, I said yes. We sold rules like nine months after um, uh, forming our agreement. So it was pretty quick. And um, then a few, actually a few months before rules came out, she let, she let me know that she was going to make a career pivot and pursue uh, freelance editorial work. So she was shifting out of agenting and it was like, oh my gosh, what a, like, I was like, is this a death blow? Like, no, like the rug just got pulled out for me. But, um, and it was super amicable and I was, I was just nothing but grateful. And I was just like, oh, Melissa, I'm, I'm so excited for you and, and just devastated. Um, I, I, I'm just like, you changed my life. Like, thank you so much for taking a chance on me. And like, this book doesn't exist without you and, and all that good stuff. And, and then it was kind of like, all right, well. I'm starting over. Got to go query again. Mm. 600 more rejections, but it was like, okay, quit throwing your pity party. You're not starting over. You 
like just sold a book and it's about to come out. So like, like get back on the horse, go try again. And uh, it was kind of like, hey, uh, I suddenly find myself without an agent before my debut comes out, and I would love you to take a look at this book. And um, I'd be crazy not to see this as an opportunity to shoot for the moon, you know, and and make that pivot. So I kind of spun it in a positive way because when life throws you those curveballs, like you can either like let it like take you out or you can be like, all right, let's pivot. Let's like move forward. And, and it worked out. So I mean, how, how easily did it work out? How easily did you find, I mean, it wasn't another 600 or, you know, whatever yeah. uh, passes rejections, <laughs> but um, it was, it was like a few months of uh, like a smaller list. And I was looking at agencies that I was like really excited about earlier on um, and agents that, um, that I knew had like a really strong track record that might uh, be a, a bit more enticed with, you know, an author that's slightly seasoned with a book under his belt. And uh, so it was like a, it was a pretty small list. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a few months later and I actually got two offers and, and got to choose, um, choose Jennifer. I was really happy to, to see her offer come through. So both at Andrew Brown. No, they wouldn't co-offer. Uh, co yeah. Yeah. Well, we are very happy for you that you have you have landed on your feet. Woo! Or never really left the ground, so to speak. But, you know. Yeah. Um, and can we... I... Oh, I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. I have a complete pivot. Oh, same. So you you go ahead. <laughs> same. <laughs> Which direction are we I going to I wanted to talk for the, the interview. Like, we're just going to talk about pivots. Like, I know, right? No, <laughs> we're just, like, both really excited to talk with you about all these questions. Um, I just wanted to say, I, I know I saw recently that you were teasing about having another book come out. And you, I don't know how much you can say about it, but whatever you can say, yeah, I would love to hear yeah. all of it. Absolutely. So um, Jennifer and I sold my... Second book has nothing to do with rules. Uh, does, it different have, does it have wolves? Because I know you love wolves. It doesn't. Ah! It adds them. So that's like the great irony. Um, it does have bear and bear. Like for me, it's like wolves and then like bears. So like if I can't get wolves, bear. okay, okay, uh, love bears. So this one almost started as a joke too <laughs> with segment thing. Um, it was it was a little bit tongue in cheek in my observation of like. There's a lot of hibernation books. There's like a lot of lyrical, gentle, wintry bear books where there's like a bear going to sleep for the winter. Like it's a thing. It's a whole like, there's just like a lot. And um, I noticed this when I was a librarian. Um, I'm just like, I need to like make fun of that. And so like its original title, <laughs> its original title was like another bear book or another hibernating bear book, you know, <laughs> Apparently, when I sell books uh, or when I write them, I they have to have the word "book" in them because I can't get off the metal. <laughs> I guess that's my brand forever. Um, anyway, so like it's it's uh, it's got this interesting convention that I'm really excited to see uh, play out, which I'm I'm now calling deconstruction. And so it's got this lyrical setup uh, that's a total ruse, and you think it's going to be this like quiet, beautiful, wintry. Uh, serene book about a hibernating bear but then it's got this owl narrator and he's ushering in uh the book and introducing this flowery uh, imagery 
and it's going to be all good. It's time for Bear to go to sleep. But every time he opens the door for the bear to go to sleep, everything is going wrong. And so what is happening? No, this is not a sleep-conducive environment. We need to get you to sleep. Like, let's try this again. So every time he tries again, the story gets stripped down, and you lose the imagery and the style of writing until it becomes patently absurd. <laughs> uh, I think at one point he says, like, blah, 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 and stuff like that. Or something <laughs> fun of that and um and has a fun like theme at the end but i won't spoil the ending anyway so it's it's very fun um we sold it to little brown and it's slotted for 2025 because their 2024 uh kind of winter fall lineup was full um so we are in the process of anxiously waiting to hear who's illustrating it which could be any day now so the announcement on publishers weekly once that's locked in, it should be just a matter of, you know, we that that actually out. We're awesome. excited for you. And yeah, so by excited. the time this comes out, we'll probably be able to shout out the illustrator. As yeah. Well. So yeah. really looking forward to that. Whoever's the bear Ooh. expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the bear will be. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I love any book that has blah, blah, blah in it. I used I used <laughs> that in a book I, re- I just recently wrote, actually. So I, yeah, I, I love that. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> So fun. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to pivot to my pivot. And this is not at all to uh, workshop my... Yeah, this is not at all to workshop my writing career. That's not what this is about. But it, but it's it, it strikes me as an interesting contrast because um, I, I've been I've been mm. intentional about um, you know I've I've got a full time day job and not not a not an abundance of time, uh, which is probably the case for you as a teacher mm. with with kids Great. to to do yeah. to do a ton of of writing, and I I pointedly have not. Um, I have not subbed. I have not queried in mm. months and months, mostly yep. because I, I know what I need to do to my manuscripts to fix them. And so what I'm interested mm. in doing or what I'm interested in exploring with you is that is the the craft learning, um, mm. because there's a you know, there there's magic in the naivety, to your point. Yep. But there's also, you know, you you go into the forest that has dangerous wolves and goblins w- without a sword, and that's 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 kind of like what I see as mm. lack of craft. So, how do yep. you how do you in your early days sort of figure out your path in terms of you know arming yourself with a sword and shield to uh, mm. to be able to meet the challenges of the industry? I think I was like really intentional about being a student of picture books, and I'm a tinkerer, so. I love theatrical special effects and technical theater. Um, I was the shop foreman in college. So like building sets, design, how things work. Oh, a feather needs to fall from the ceiling in Angels in America. Let me, you know, like design a special effect for that to happen. Uh, And then install it on the theater, like steel girder at three in the morning. That was college for me. And so I believe in the concept of reverse engineering. And so the concept for that is like, you got a table. Okay, how did this table get built? Let's take it apart and look at its component parts. And then we'll reassemble it. And now we'll understand how it was put together and how its component parts uh, make up the whole. And so for me, that was like, let's go to the library and get 10 books and type up this manuscript and see what it would have looked like you know, paginated with with art notes of what I thought maybe the art notes might sound like given what the art was. And let's like write the words and let's figure out like what makes this particular book tick. 
Like what's driving this story? What's the comical invention used? What's the theme? Like asking all these questions, like really just taking it apart. Um, I was doing that for years and then trying to put those kind of things I was observing into practice in my own work. Um, and uh, like understanding comedy and understanding what makes kids laugh. I think that was like something I brought to the equation already in my bag of skills. Um, as an actor, there's a Kansas City uh, theater here, or a, a children's theater, the Coterie Theater. And uh, right out of college, I was cast as Johnny in The Outsiders. And so for 52 shows, yes, I, I got to murder Bob and <laughs> die iron lung with severe burns and then stay on stage for like five minutes dead, um, which was awesome. And like, it was the most like, amazing experience. And what I learned from that lesson is kids are brutally honest. Yeah. If you they will let you know that you are super fake if they don't think it's funny they will not give you a fake uh polite laugh they will give you nothing you have to earn that you have to be on and adults are liars we're socialized to lie oh that's great even though we're thinking this is terrible this is trash so like i was getting all this audience feedback of like how do i like entertain these kids how do i make them laugh how do i keep their attention what am i doing and really listening to the audience as an actor and then honing my craft and transferring that into like, what makes kids laugh in the picture book? Like what's, and so like, I, you see a lot of that in the book of rules, um, especially with the interaction, like rule five is do not, do not laugh, do not smile. I knew in the middle of the book, we are going to need a break because there's this tension of we have to follow things or else this monster's going to eat us. They needed to like, laugh and so i knew they were going to break it when you tell a kid not to laugh what are they going to do so knowing that kind of child psychology and what makes kids tick i think um was part of that craft it was driving my my, my choices um that's fantastic yeah just to yeah. add on about kids being brutal my six-year-old so <laughs> we we will routinely get stacks of books from the library for for my own purposes and for my son it's great right so we go we like read through the whole stack but we call it keeper or dud so I read the book uh, and Finn gets to vote keeper or dud. And he's no, there is no, like, there is nothing worse than like, I imagine reading my book to him one day. Right. And just being dud. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no, like, you know, there's no build up. There's no like, Oh, you know, like it was all right, but I don't like it. it there's none of that. No, it's just, it's brutal honesty. Like, yeah. And I think that it's like, if you have kids, um, in your life and you're a picture book writer, you need to like pay attention to what they're paying attention. Like what is it that makes them smile, laugh or, or tug at their heart? Like what are they actually noticing that's working? And then like listen to that and use that. And like, I, I feel so grateful that I'm in a place of life, a season of life where my debut happened to come out when I had a three-year-old, one-year-old, like, to have them like want to read daddy's book and actually laugh at my job. I was going to ask, oh, that's awesome. That's everything, right? I mean, I mean, who cares about the rest? Like, Oh, 100%. Like, there's this video I still have pinned on my Twitter of Peter doing my unboxing with me. I saw that. I was just thinking, I got like a flash of that in my brain. Yes. <laughs> He's wearing a gecko costume from PJ Masks because it was Halloween. And I'm like, I got to do this. Like, and 
no one I would rather on this earth share this moment. I get emotional every time I talk about it. And I'm like, I want, like, I didn't want to tell him what it was because he had seen pictures and, like, the cover and back covers. He knew all about Dennis and that daddy had a book coming out. We open the book, and and if you haven't seen it, he's, uh, we're opening it together. And I'm like, who is that? What's that? And he goes, Dennis? And his voice cracks. And, he <laughs> and then from that second on, once he realizes what grabs the book, and then he's like, yeet, and he jumps off my lap, and he's like, peace out, Dad. And he goes, I want to read it. I want to read it. This is so cool. This book is so cool. And I'm like, that I, I can die now. Like, I don't need any more feedback. Like, he's excited, and he was like, this is so cool. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, is there any other book? Like, that's, that's it. This so awesome. many of us, I mean, myself included, but so many of us that enter the children's book writing process do so because we have little kids who, oh, who yeah, we make up stories for and yeah yeah all the time and it's i think that's a really great entry point into picture books because you're reading those together um and it's such a special experience and like like man like i said in after college like i can do that too telling yourself that story like i want to be part of um Something that Alistair Heim, another Kansas City picture book author, says, like, he doesn't want to win awards. He wants to win bedtime. And, like, I love that idea of just, like, being part of that in a small way. These small, like, everyday moments with, with these families and these teachers and kids. And, like, it's, so, it's such a great way to get into picture books. He was, he was on your blog. Is that right? Yeah, a few and times. What is he, yeah, and what did he write? Can you tell me the title? Yeah, um, well, the one that I featured was... Um, is it the Fox one? Hello Tree. Yes! Yeah, it, was the it was the sequel to um, Hello Door about the sneaky fox. Yes! Um, yeah, he's got some really good ones. He's really lyrical, really funny. Love so you funny. Yes. With that interview. Yes, yes, yes. That is where, so I hadn't heard of that book before and I read your blog and I was like, this looks awesome. And I put it on my holds list. I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, this is, this is great. So yeah, shout out to him. That's, I mean, I love that book. He wrote for Dr. Seuss, like as he goes throat for, uh, I think it's called The Cat in the Hat in the White House. Let me see. Of course he did. That, I mean, I can totally see that. Josh, have you read those books? No, this is new to me. Hello Tree and Hello Door, they're both they're both awesome. They're so good. Like super sparse, funny, writing. I'm going to find this. Um, oh, man. If this I Had Your Vote by the Cat in the Hat. Okay. So he wrote that. And like there's a parenthetical on the cover. It says with a little help from Alistair Heim. But like the dude can. That's very cool. All right. Well, hopefully appearing on a podcast near you soon. <laughs> to talk about yeah, come on book. the podcast, Alistair Hunt. We would love to have no. you. Oh my god. We've already covered part of your career. <laughs> Skip straight to the straight to the meat. It's time for this week's book reviews. John's review this week is Town is by the Sea by Joanne Schwartz. The story skillfully weaves an authentic tale of a young boy's bright coastal childhood experience set against the constraining reality of his father's sacrifice to support his family by working in the mines. Sydney Smith's brilliant illustrations strike an important balance between the brightness of the seaside and the dimness of the mines, helping to emphasize the differences between the two worlds. Readers will be able to reflect on and appreciate childhood perspectives, families, and the weight of tradition. Overall, a well-crafted and thought-provoking story. 
Josh has an info fic double whammy this week. Bloom by Julia Seal and Mary and Mary Wears What She Wants by Keith Begley. Don't strictly have a ton in common, but in terms of subject matter, but they make very complicated concepts about main characters standing up for their, their beliefs very accessible. And as a science communicator, Josh can say that it's a hard thing to get right. Both book pr- books present really big problems, meaning the state of the world's oceans today and the state of gender equality at the time of the Civil War, through the lens of what one individual can make change and start a movement. And that's a powerful thing to instill in a kid. And for my review this week, Parker, Parker Peterzak, written by my amazing friend and critique partner, Angel Tate, and illustrated by Brittany Moody. I called in a little help from my friends and critique partners, The Beams. Here's a snippet from each of us, from me. Parker loves big words and is about to go to a big kid's school. The signature lovable, goofy voice of Angel shines through in this, in this classic telling of a universal truth. Being the new kid is hard, but Angel's writing makes it fun. <clears throat> from Emily. Angel is the master of kid voice. Parker is so relatable and sweet, and her big words are such a fun hook. The way she navigates her big school is such a joy to read. Well done, Angel. We love you. From Sharon, what a perfectly perfect book. I couldn't put it down. Parker taught me so many new words as she navigated the first days at our new school. Angel Tate expertly conveys the angst and excitement of starting something new, as well as the pure joy of learning. From Mari, kids will fall in love with Parker Peters' act. My daughter is absolutely obsessed with it. She keeps it in her nightstand and I've lost count of how many times she has reread it. Can't recommend it enough. Don't forget to get your own reviews and library requests in. It's the number one way to help an author's sales. We have community shoutouts and merch. Help support the podcast and the Kidlet community with a shoutout of your own or check out Verse Show merch designed by The Maddie Frost. Or even better, leave us a review. It helps other people find us and it makes us feel good. Find all our links on Threads, Blue Sky, or at brennagenerec.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and even get the podcast delivered right to your inbox. And now, back to our show. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, back to back to the the writing for kids and winning at bedtime. It's so it's so hard as a parent to feel like you are in any way winning at bedtime because of the logistics. Oh my so yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, that resonates with me in a big, big way. Um, that desire. Yeah, man. Bedtime is like a, is a battle to get through. <laughs> Exhausted. But then like so, you want present man, that is just, is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I wondered, I wonder too, and this is a question that I ask a lot. Be- I mean, I, again, because it's it's something that I think about with my own work. How how do you see? I, I read the book of rules, and I see <laughs> um, wild classroom, like just the best, just the best sort of book to read in the classroom and get kids engaged and yeah. come around the circle and sit on their you know mats and things. I mean, do you th- do you think about that as a as a bedtime book? Uh, because the times that I've read it to my kids, uh, it's not a bedtime book. It's a like a delay, no, delay going to not. sleep book. <laughs> oh, I know. And it was actually intended for those groups of kids. It was born in the classroom. So I was like the second time I was a paraprofessional after having done theater, four years as a theater teacher, I was again back at the same elementary school. I actually had, I had nothing, uh, to fall back on career wise. And I emailed that principal. I was like, Hey, you got something? Like, do you have anything for me? I need, I need to work. Um, she was like, yep, come on in. And, um, 
it was like during gym one day and uh i'm like these kids are wild and this is fun and there should be like a really interactive book that works great in a like a school setting in a group i was like okay well sweet and so that was like the idea and then like the first line of the book came in that was the entry point to that book was uh this book has rules. You must follow all the rules. And I was like, oh, okay. Why does it have rules? And why do they need to follow them? Oh, because a monster will eat them if they don't. Great. Awesome. Monster eating kids who don't follow the rules. That's, you know, going to land well in 2020, you know, whatever it was, 2017. And uh, I was like, well, I don't want it to be a scary monster. So it needs the most anodyne, like ridiculously safe name for any monster in forever. And it was like, Dennis. Then they'll know it's a comedy and should not be taken seriously whatsoever and should not scare them. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, uh, for you, you read the book of rules in bed. Rule number one, you must sit on the floor. Uh, what? Or we'll just stay where we are because we're already in bed and it took us forever to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, right. Please don't move. It's, no, it's like I was always wary of like, how is this going to translate to like those intimate story times? And so um, you – you always listen to the audience and you're always watching like, okay, what, what is this interactive moment? Like, how did they actually interpret this? Like we all have to clap three times together. We have to do this together. Like seeing groups of kids do that and navigate that has been really instructive. So I've learned like even through that after it's been out and like, it's too late to change anything. And uh, then again with the, the bedtime one. So I was like, Oh, that's my sequel. So the sequel is called that doesn't exist yet. It's, it's written. I just need to um, persuade all my friends at uh, FSG, Book for Young Readers, that this is an awesome book idea. <laughs> and uh, they should read the, the, the concept. Hey, McMillan, come on, go. Hello, McMillan, and, uh, come on the podcast. You heard it here. Yep. Yeah. The book Bedtime Rules, and the premise is that you have to follow the rules to help Dennis go to sleep. And if Dennis doesn't go to sleep, you're going to get eaten. So it is like exactly for those more intimate settings uh and hopefully that that comes to to fruition someday because i think it's pretty great third book the book of mealtime rules yes uh you have to eat your vegetables or you will be eaten nice there could be whole series there, there's your freebie yeah eat or be eaten <laughs> eat or be eaten you know Dennis has never eaten me technically i have eaten dennis because my wife made cookie cake on pub day and i super ate dennis <laughs> i super ate dennis nice <laughs> so okay so it sounds like because i um i came to that thread late yesterday but i saw that you had you were talking to betsy kemper about being a titler well and a bunch of other people and josh included but so is that how you have come to to all three of these books now in your in your series of dennis books we'll put it out into the universe there's a series now um, are they, have they all been title first? Uh, the book of bedtime rules was for sure. The book of rules itself. No. Um, another bear book was the concept first, then the title. Um, but like, I want to say something probably like 80 to 90% of my ideas, my new manuscripts, um, a title idea just hits me and I don't know where ideas come from. And this is the most fun part about the funnest part about being a writer is that ideas just will, you'll be mowing your lawn and be like, oh, oh crap, take out your phone. Yeah. Got to write it down. And you, 
like a random physical task, like washing the dishes or vacuuming or doing something totally unrelated to creativity. And then you're just like, oh, there's this idea. And so, yeah, I feel like there's something magical about a title. I think titles, uh, I think titles really telegraph uh, a message of like tone and style and maybe even theme. So like I'm a big believer that titles are super important. Um, and they came for my title. Every book I've sold so far, they come for it. If you don't know this picture book authors you, or any author, you sell a book, they're going to come for your title because everything's on the table, right? Nothing's off the table. They're going to come for it. So my editor, uh, Melissa Wharton, was like, we're playing around with some ideas. And so if you want to bring, you know, a few alternate titles to the table, you know, like, well, we're, we're just not sure about the book of rules. And I was like, okay, sounds great. And <laughs> like, then, that's the heart and soul of my book, but that's totally fine. Like, I, I'm fine with right? that. I'm not, I'm not upset. I don't know how it happened and I've never really had this conversation with her, but like, they just like, let it go. It just like, didn't pan out. Like they never came back. We never circled back to that. And I was like, hoping it would just get forgotten about and they did. So I got away with it. Um, but yes. for my second, we've been workshopping the title back and forth at Lil Brown, um, a few different rounds with my editor, uh, Andrea Spooner. And um, so now like their, their teams of uh, like their marketing team and, they're all going to kind of like talk about the options that were the strongest. And so I'm just waiting. Like, what's it going to be called? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so I want to talk about Dennis some more um, because I, you, I mean, you've even got, yeah, there. Okay. For the listening audience, I'm looking at Dennis. <laughs> uh, and in fact, we set, we set up uh, the, so as part of this question or this observation, I guess we set up the the invite for this recording uh, and invited Dennis as well as Brian to the conversation. So I guess what I'm interested in is is your your marketing brain. Uh, if 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 yeah. in fact it it is um, th- uh, what you think of as your marketing brain in terms of the creation of Dennis as a marketable, identifiable character who's got I think his own Twitter account and uh, got his own sort of identity outside of the book. He really, he's hard to rein in. He's hard to control. I try to keep him in the margins of the book, but he just he doesn't like that all the time, and he likes to hang out on Twitter. So like I felt like it was a no brainer as. It's like, hey, create a separate like fictional account for your character. Like, of course, that's how you can engage with the fans and be like silly and um, kind of promote. And he doesn't have like a huge following, but my favorite part is getting to interact with like teachers and librarians and see like art of Den- art, like renderings of Dennis that people are doing in the classroom. Um, and just like kind of using him on graphics to like help telegraph like the tone of the book and just be silly with him. And he's, he's kind of like, he's the front man of the book, and he should be because, you know, he's Dennis. He's on the front cover. And um, actually, this is really cool. So since you're a Missouri guy, um, the Book of Rules is actually one of one of the 10 um, Missouri Building Block Award nominees for this coming year. And so, yeah, it's a like huge deal. And I think I'm the yeah. only Missouri guy on that. And so it's like a Kids Choice Award. So ages zero to six will get to vote for these 10 books to see what was their favorite between September and end of December this coming fall. So um, I have like started doing uh, in my school visits. I've been like, "Hey guys, just letting you know, like you have to help elect Dennis." And he has told me that if you vote for him, he will not eat you, probably. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm planning on really like leaning into that idea of 
let's vote for Dennis for this award to help build the buzz around back to school. Cause back to school, I've really learned like there's, um, there's times when people are more motivated and like where a, a particular picture book is more necessary. So it's a back to school book. It really is. And that's where, and I kind of get that because teachers want to, you know, establish rules and talk about procedures and expectations and like, let's come together and like build the community of our classroom. And it's a fun way to do that with its interactive ability. Um, and so like, yeah, around the, around the fall, end of July, I start really reaching out to influencers, teachers, librarians, and just start kind of upping that engagement. And it did make a huge difference. So I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go. So how Yeah. And that was last 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 year sort of when it was released you did that and you'll do it again this year sort of in the lead up to the building block um voting i presume yeah i think it's gonna yeah. be especially in missouri um it's super cool because like my uh our we have a fairly big library system uh called mid-continent here in the kc metro and it's so, like they bought a hundred more copies of the book and they have like a special building block display and we have a library less than a mile from our house and it's like it's so cool to know that like like I'm part of that and crazy as well. So. That's awesome. Right, that's so cool. Um, how do you how are you doing school visits? Like as a teacher, how are you man? Like I'm so impressed, like uh, that you're managing to do that. Yeah, um, <laughs> they're few, far between. Do you just send or- Dennis on your behalf? You're like, look, I've booked much. you. I, I have a bucket list to have like a guy in a suit as Dennis like pop out like that would be I've had people talk about that like you should get like plush toys of Dennis Josh that could be you you're in the same area you could be Dennis <laughs> you can, I've you've got, got, I'm not you're St. Louis uh, how tall, uh, field you agent have to be massive. <laughs> I yeah. will not let but, on uh, to my listening audience how tall I am as far as they know I'm as tall as your dad okay. <laughs> oh my gosh um I have had some I have a good amount of PTO saved up and my principals are super supportive. Um, and so like, I try not to uh, like take advantage of that and, and blend those two worlds too much, try to keep them separate. So like a few times a year is really what I'm kind of reduced to, to where it's like appropriate for me to be out of the classroom and do that and kind of live that life. Um, you know, you have to make sub plans and I don't like being away from my kids cause I want to support them. And, and that's my, my biggest passion, my, my role. So um, I feel like it's maybe something that I'll do more frequently later on, or maybe I'm just getting into it. Um, but even like this fall with Missouri Building Block, probably no more than like three or four times would be would 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 work, unless it's like an evening or weekend. Mm. Yeah. So just to follow up on that, like more with the marketing, how much marketing has your publisher done or or helped you with? Like, do they sort of like you know, like, um, encourage you along or like support you in that stuff? Or is it sort of like, okay, well, here's what you can do. And like, we'll see you on the other end, like, see if it works out. It's, I mean, it was, it's pretty like, I don't want to say you're on your own, but like, you're your biggest cheerleader. Mm. Yeah. Um, they like when I keep them in the loop, like my publicist, they want to know what's going on tagging them and their different social channels like so that they can also like champion what you're doing mm-hmm. that's really the expectation is like they've got stuff that they're doing that i have no idea in the, their infrastructure and the back channels like all that stuff um arranging reviews and like all this stuff that just goes unseen 
So like what I really see is and what I think the best advice is like focus on what you can control and don't worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. And then like always include your people so they can like cheer you on as you go. Yeah. Focus on what you, what you can control and to your, to your point about your, your book, focus on what, and we've talked about this in other ways, engages you and energizes you and is fun yeah. for you. And that's yeah. what's, that's, what's going to come out. I mean, we were joking at the top of the, of the call, the recording that I, I do social media for my job and that's exactly, you know, rule one, make it personal, make it fun, make it Amen. interesting. And, 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 and the life in that comes out, um, when you follow the path rather than just pure, oh. you know, pure corporate marketing. Yeah. And, and I've actually observed it's, it's almost like, um, when it feels, when it feels like a schedule to tweet or like, uh, self promoting, I like saying it like that. When it feels self promoting, it turns people off. I've noticed like there's just really low engagement. People are not as into it, but like if, like you said, if, if it's just something that energizes you and is, is fun and then it, it also happens to be that, you know, you have a book, people will get curious about like, oh, this guy's saying something interesting. Um, I'm going to see what like he's up to. So it's kind of, uh, it's more organic than like, I need to constantly be posting about like, buy my book, buy my book, rate my book. I just, I don't do a lot of that because I, I think it doesn't really work because it's so saturated online. Everybody's doing that. And just, it just, it, it it's noise in the cacophony. So be different, like just be you and. Um, people will get curious about what you're up to. Be you or um, be Dennis. And then, yeah, right. And then, um, with the with the building blocks, like that's awesome. How did you How did you know to like submit to that, or like what other contests do you submit, or not contests, but like um, awards do you submit to, or how do you how did you do that? I did. I didn't submit to anything, so that was just I was just nominated by. Oh. Missouri like librarians that thought it was a great book. Oh my god, that's that, even better. Yeah, I've never applied for a single thing. Um that's maybe awesome. <laughs> You've never you've but never just, sent book of rules to anybody. Uh no like, <laughs> you've well, never I've, queried it anywhere. That's not true. I, I have been <laughs> what I have done is I thought librarians and teachers, mostly teachers of like pre-K through second grade would be like influencers on Instagram and particularly were my like biggest uh, season of like, I've got some more author copies. I would love a review. I'd love for you to use this in your classroom. Like tell me what you think. Like, um, so I did a lot of that, but outside of that, I haven't really like done a ton of that. It just kind of come to me, um, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> like, what? Well, like, for yeah, instance, I, mean... like, I, I had a um, really, really quick story. This this uh, teacher in Kansas was at a bookstore in Kansas, like this, like, um, mom pop, like, little bookstore. And uh, the Book of Rules was featured by that bookstore owner. And he was like, oh, this is really cool. He looked at the inside jacket and saw it was from Liberty, Missouri, which is just like, uh, it was like an hour and a half or two hours away from his town. He's like, I would love him to be our, like, I wonder if he could be our featured author for this young author's day at an elementary school. So he just out of nowhere reaches out to me and I'm like, absolutely. I will do that. And his, the school's education foundation bought 473 copies of the book of rules. They got a copy for every single K 
through fifth student, and I sat for two hours straight without moving and signed 473 copies of my book. Wow. It was so- that's awesome. And that- it was just random. That is- that's awesome. That's amazing. I have to think that Dennis is out there somewhere just like, you know, like going around and like talking to people and being like, look, you should probably have him like come to your school and you might want to buy a, a couple of copies. So like. <laughs> He's not. I like it. He's doing yeah. that. I like um, the real down to earth version of Dennis <laughs> that you're portraying. Look, guys, we got- oh, right. He's wearing a suit and he's like, all right, now look, let's just get down to business. All right. I got my lunch here. I won't eat you. We Let's talk, talk brass tacks. <laughs> I'm full of well, books. Yes. Right. Okay. We, we've talked. All right. All right. Here's, here's the last free, free idea I'll offer. We've uh, talked about Dr. Seuss. We've talked about Dennis. Um, after I was finished with my first corporate role, uh, but like post post college, I got from my boss, um, Oh, the places you'll go, the Dr. Seuss book, yeah. which has become like a de facto business book. You've probably yeah. got it somewhere in your in your classroom. Uh, okay. But uh, you know, hey, you know, uh, the book of the book of business rules is is number four, picture book aimed at uh, at, at at adults. So the book of cooking rules, the book of feeding the ducks rules, like every, <laughs> every like, really weird situation that requires a procedure, we'll have we'll have Dennis. Totally, it's the next chicken soup for the soul. That's oh. right. Chicken soup for the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> so he oh, won't wow. eat you. <laughs> it's the only defense. <laughs> well, we were going to uh, uh, generally wrap up the hour with, um, is there anything else we haven't covered? Uh, is there is there anything else we haven't covered? We've covered a lot of ground. And it's it, it's, mm. it certainly seems to me like you've, you've found a great deal of, of success, satisfaction, and a ton of fun out of your debut. I am having a ton of fun. Um, I would love to talk about what I'm doing right now, which is, so like, I have a story coaching service. It used to be called, uh, I mean, it's a picture book critique service. So I had, like, over the years, um, just doing giveaways and stuff, and approaching it a little bit differently as a teacher. I teach creative writing. Um, I guess my brand of critique has been like very different from what people have experienced. And COVID, of course, birthed like the emergence of Zoom. And so I was like, I'm kind of, I'm not as into writing critiques. I want to like talk to people. And because I found like when people critiqued my stuff, I had follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what they meant. And I wanted to like workshop with them and ask them questions and like go down rabbit holes and have that conversation because um, that's how like I think art is just it benefits from. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try a Zoom critique. And so I started getting um, – I'm having a lot of fun with those. And people were like, you know, you need to do this professionally. Nobody's doing it quite like you are. I would have paid for this. I've paid for stuff and gotten more out of what you're telling me and what we're talking about than what these other people are, you know, doing. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe eventually. And it's like – few years go by and I'm, I keep having people like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is valuable. You need to like do this. And I'm like, yeah, but like, how much would it cost? And would anyone really want like, like who am I? Am I, I love not- this voice. What is this voice? <laughs> this, my, this is Brian insecurity. Like, uh, you know, like, um, what is that? Uh, uh, imposter syndrome, Brian. That's my voice. You know, like, there you uh, go. Like, so then like one of my, now repeat clients, author friends. Uh, she was like, get over yourself and do it. And I was like, okay, finally. And my wife has been begging me to do it because, you know, 
because money. Um, right. And paying bills and such. <laughs> right. You've seen milk lately? Oh, my God. Um, I'm there like twice a week milk. So then in December, in the middle of the school year, because that was a good idea, I was just like, okay, um, I'm doing it. Anybody want to like work with me? And then like, and it just, just like, oh, my gosh. So I have like from December to now, I've had over 60 Zoom critiques. Then I added written critiques, which overwhelmed me completely. And I've got to figure out how to make that more manageable. Um, and so it's like a whole new thing. And that has taught me more about picture books than I've ever, other than just like having to like really look at everyone's stories and really like work with everybody with where they're at and ask good questions. And um, it's been more fun than I've ever had with writing. Wow. So this is not a, this is not a promotion of your service. This is a, please, please just like be, <laughs> don't flood me anymore. <laughs> please hold off. What's great is I'm about to be on summer vacation. And so like I can catch up and, and push that out a little bit more, but, but it's been like, I mean, I'm getting up, getting the kids out the door, teaching all day. My wife's the theater teacher. So I'm like, um, single dad in it from like three to six and then she comes home we put him to bed and then that's when the real work starts and I sit down and I'm I'm prepping zooms I'm reading people's stuff and like it's been non-stop since December wow so. I mean that's Woo. that's huge like congratulations and anyone who is listening yeah like check out Brian's blog check out his um critique services like go have a zoom with him he's like I mean you've listened to the whole show up until now he's amazing to talk to he has great ideas like you go talk to him should we do a promo code for people who listen? Yeah, let's oh do it. That's we'll, great. What should we call it? Let's come up with like a secret code together. You've stamps dot, stamps dot com, stamps dot com with Brian. <laughs> <laughs> promo <Stamps>. code. <laughs> people will never guess that. <laughs> oh my God. You've been, let's go you've been eaten because that's relevant to Dennis. Let's say you've been eaten 25 off will be the code. Awesome. So, 25% off. You've been eaten. Um, uh, that way we know you heard this interview. And we'll put an expiration date on, um, let's go. Uh, Depending on when. You, when do you guys post it? Yeah, should we do, should we do like be... a month from when it gets posted? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do a solid month to see how that goes. Okay. That's a good idea. Okay. So whenever right. this gets posted, which we're a little bit backlogged, so probably not until like end of summer, I'm going to say. Fall. Okay. Yeah. Fall. yeah. Like so, Aligning with building blocks nicely. Yeah, yeah. Right. Perfect. But so it'll be from this date, from the air date for a month. And so um, use the code you've been eating 25 off for Brian's blog. Been eating 25 off. You heard it here. Oh, I love this so much. Brian, it's been a blast. I don't know where that last hour has gone. It's just evaporated. By. What a fun chat. Yeah. You guys have been yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for coming on. This was, yeah. I I follow your blog and I read all the stuff and they're always like super engaging and I find so many books from, from your interviews. So I am I was stoked to be able to actually talk to you in, per, in person. So yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for this opportunity and what you're doing for the KidLit community. Like it's so awesome to that, even have this opportunity. Like it's so, it's such a bucket list thing. Like now I've been on a podcast. I feel so special just like talk with you guys oh awesome so, well we, i'm so glad we are happy to have awesome, provided awesome. you with that opportunity thanks for listening this week 
Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Blue Sky, Instagram, or Threads. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.